The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Good evening uh, to all of you. Uh, it was good sitting with you uh, during the first period and uh, also good... Uh, chanting with you in that kind of wild Zoom uh, online uh, hybrid chant. Uh, lately, uh, Corinna and I have uh, sort of been going back to the future uh, when we didn't have to worry about things like how do we all chant together uh, online and in person. And uh, back, back before COVID and back uh, before all the wild political things uh, that have been going on. And uh, what we've been doing is we've been uh, watching Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Seinfeld, uh, uh, starting with the first episode uh, last summer and then just slowly going through it. And as a result, uh, uh, sometimes when I do a Dharma talk, uh, I, I think of beginning it like a Jerry Seinfeld monologue. And so if I were to begin that way, uh, uh, I would say, what is it? You know, what is it with Zen masters and silence? So people ask them stuff and they respond with silence. Like, well, what's that about? And uh, I, I think that's a great question. Uh, Zen masters and the koans are often asked uh, to transcend duality, uh, to transcend right and wrong, speech and silence, relative and absolute. And sometimes when they're asked this, they respond with silence. Not only silence, so sometimes they recite a poem Another guy says, oh, I'm tired today. I can't answer that for you. But silence is sort of the Zen trademark answer. And one of the uh, most famous instances is that of uh, Vimalakirti, who's asked about duality. Uh, he's asked, how do you enter the Dharma gate of non-duality? How does the Bodhisattva enter the Dharma gate of non-duality? And just prior to uh, Vimalakirti's response, uh, Manjusri, uh, the Bodhisattva of wisdom, gives his response. And he says, uh, well, in my view, in all things, uh, no, uh, no words, no speech, no demonstration, no recognition, leaving behind all questions and answers. This is how the Bodhisattva enters the Dharma gate of non-duality. So that kind of uh, is what we think, you know, initially. How do we get, a, get out of it all, get away from it all? And this was the path uh, 
in Shakyamuni's time uh, to leave the world behind uh, to uh, enter nothingness, so to speak, uh, through various ascetic practices. It's the path of the Arhat, but it's not the path of the Bodhisattva. Uh, and so, after he gives this answer, Manjusri turns to Vimalakirti and says, what do you think, good man? Now all the bodhisattvas here have given their response. What do you think? How does a bodhisattva enter the Dharma gate of non-duality? where it ends. Uh, in the Blue Cliff Records, Sway To ends it with saying, you tell me, what did Vimalakirti say? If we can understand uh, what Vimalakirti was pointing to, then we realize that we're listening to Vimalakirti's speech right at this very moment, we can answer Swayto's question. What did Vimalakirti say? Because in the silence, what is there left out? Even your breathing is included in that silence. The beating of your heart uh, the little aches and pains of doing zazen, all the horrors and wonders of the world, they're all included in that silence because we live in an interdependent world, a world, you could say, where we're all separate and we're all one, you could say it that way. Or you could say it's a world where nothing is separate and nothing is one. It's all in Vimalakirti's silence. Uh, because this is uh, very difficult for our linear discursive intellects uh, to grasp a hold of, uh, uh, we try to come at it in a number of ways, one of which is through koans, like the one I just recited. But another way, and I think a very good and effective way, is graphically uh, through, uh, probably you've all seen the Anso, the Zen circle, uh, much beloved of calligraphers. It's uh, a beautiful black circle on snow white paper. And uh, the peculiar thing about this circle is it's incomplete. There's a little bit of the circle that doesn't have ink on it. And as a result, uh, there is no inside or outside to this circle. 
the whole vast white paper is there. The circle doesn't keep it from coming in. Everything that happens within the circle happens on the whole vast white paper. There is no inside or outside. And in fact, uh, it's just our uh, thinking minds that uh, create the circle in the first place. Really, it's just a black smudge on a piece of white paper. But we go, oh, that's a circle. Oh, well, they left that little piece out of the circle. I wonder why they, they did that. You know, it's sort of like looking at one of those uh, optical illusions where uh, you can see the picture either as a picture of a beautiful young woman or a very old woman, uh, just depending on what perspective your eyes happen to be uh, taking. So you can say there's no circle there. Or you could say everything is there in the circle. And as a result, uh, as we sit here in Vimalakirti silence, uh, we can say, ah, oh, the whole universe is coming into my body as I breathe in. Ah, all of me is going out into the universe as I breathe out. But actually, we're just open circles, just like the Enzo. We're completely the creations of the universe, dependent on sun, water, dependent on all the creatures of the world, dependent on heaven and earth, and most of all, dependent on each other for our lives, for our sustenance, for our very being. So, although we customarily think of ourselves as being the circle uh, where I want to get the good stuff inside and I want to keep the bad stuff outside, uh, if we just look at it clearly, we can see that inside and outside is a delusion. The bad stuff going on outside affects me. And if I'm putting good stuff out into the world, miraculously enough, the world looks brighter to me, faces look friendlier. When I nourish the world, I become aware of all the ways that the world nourishes me. And I become less attached to the smudge on reality called Ryotan. And I can just enjoy my being and non-being as this open circle, interdependent and interacting with everything else. And so, just by staying silent, 
we can hear what Bimalakirti was pointing to. We can hear the beating of our heart. We can hear someone sneezing. That's what's going on. We can feel our feeling, feelings. We can feel the love or the uh, hate welling up in our hearts. We become aware of what the world, what in the world is coming to us and what we're putting out into the world. And it's all transparent. Inside and outside are creations of our brains, very important creations of our brains. We need to live in society. We need to know who we are. We make an appointment. We need to be able to show up on time. But we shouldn't be hypnotized by that to think we're a closed circle and lose sight of the fact that our life includes all things. And in fact, all things reflect our life. So then the question becomes, well, that's very nice, that's very fine. But what do we do with that? How do we behave as through our devoted practice, we become more and more aware of the interdependent reality of our existence, or as Suzuki Roshi called it, our independency, our wonderful individuality, and our wonderful interdependence with all beings, all creations. And for this, we can turn uh, to a few words uh, from our friend Layman Pong, uh, who we've been studying this, uh, this Ango period. And uh, so I, I need to give a, a bit of background to this story just quickly. Uh, so a, a Zen master appears in this story called Yangshan. This is not the famous Yangshan. Uh, this is a different Zen master, Yangshan. Um, but uh, more to the point, uh, Yangshan means respected mountain. Respected mountain. And that uh, plays a role in the dialogue. So when Layman Pong uh, came to visit uh, Zen master Yangshan, he asked, everywhere you go, people pay respect to the mountain. But now that I'm here, I wonder whether the mountain reciprocates. And Yangshan raised his Zen master's whisk. And the layman said, clearly. And Yangshan said, the respect has been reciprocated. The layman slapped a post that was next to him and said, even though this wood post is not human, it can still bear witness. Yangshan 
lowered his whisk and said, wherever we may go, our only duty is to act respectfully. So let's uh, parse this out just a, a little bit. So Layman Pong says, everywhere you go, people res pay respect to the mountain. So he's punning on uh, the master's name there, but the mountain in uh, Zen iconography is also uh, the symbol of the oneness side of things. Uh, what is Buddha? Mount Sumeru. So one mountain, boom, thus. It's sort of the boom that you get when Vimalakirti doesn't speak, boom. So people everywhere pay respect to the mountain. People everywhere pay respect to Buddha. But I wonder now that I'm here, does the mountain reciprocate? Does the Buddha reciprocate? You know, this morning I attended a, a Jukai ceremony and uh, those of you who have seen the ceremony know that it ends with uh, people uh, going around uh, the uh, person or people who have taken the Buddhist precepts and received uh, the Buddha's robe, the rock zoom. And they chant, Buddha recognizes Buddha and Buddha bows to Buddha. Buddha recognizes Buddha and Buddha bows to Buddha. Very the mountain recognizes the mountain and the mountain reciprocates. In this case, the mountain reciprocates by raising the whisk. And Layman Pong says, clearly, indeed, nothing is hidden. Nothing is hidden. Uh, in this world of the slightly open circle where our life goes out to all beings and the life of all beings comes into us, where our life supports the life of all beings and we are supported by the life of all beings. Clear, it's clear, it's not hidden. I ask a question, you raise the whisk, clear. And then uh, the master, Yangshan says, the respect has been reciprocated. Well, it's been reciprocated, not just 
by him raising the risk, but by Layman Pong saying clearly, Buddha bows to Buddha, Buddha recognizes Buddha. It's like playing a game of ping pong back and forth, but it's all one game. There aren't two games going on. There's tip and there's tap. There's the breath going out into the universe and the universe coming in into the lungs. Where is the dividing line? And then the layman does something remarkable. He slaps a wooden post and says, this wood post is not human, but even it can bear witness. I think this is a very important point because, all right, 20,000 people die in, over the course of a day or two in the Middle East due to an earthquake. How do you respond? Well, I'm not going to put a tin pot on my head and rush out in the street and try to save the people there. But even though I can't do much, I can bear witness. Even though we can't make it as if Auschwitz never happened, every year we can go to the site and sit zazen and bear witness to what happened there. There are all different ways of showing respect, not just raising the whisk, not just exchanging bows, but bearing witness. Respect basically uh, means paying close attention. Paying close attention. You can pay close attention by being well-related in a response. You can pay close attention by bearing witness. We say in respect to, in relation to, And then uh, Yangshan has the last word, and he says, wherever we may go, the only duty we have is to act respectfully. This is our practice. to follow the precepts, which are the embodiment of our non-separation with all beings. To respect our own minds by sitting in zazen and leaving them alone just as they are. To respect the members of our sangha, to respect our friends, family, community, 
to respect all the beings of the world, past, present, and future, who are sharing our life right now. Wherever we may go, the only duty that we owe is to be respectful, not separate, respectful to all beings and all things. Thank you.